Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. My name is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. Hi, I'm Andreas Ola. I'm a senior analyst for Enterprise Digital Services. Andreas, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Good to see you. Um, it is uh, interesting because we're talking about um, your latest report uh, from Omdia, which discusses IoT edge services and 5G kind of coming together to make enterprises tap into uh, more efficient operations and maybe get better insights for their businesses. Um, I think it's interesting because there's you're, you're covering kind of three broad areas here. I'm curious uh, from the network operator's point of view, which one of these things do you think is going to be the immediate near-term opportunity as far as service providers helping enterprises, um, you know, and, and what's going to kind of make, make a more immediate impact? Or do they all have to kind of work together all at once? Yeah, it's a good question, Phil. Um, I'll say they all have to work together, at least to some extent. I mean, these technologies are highly integrated and um, they require one another for different purposes. I mean, the hottest topic at the moment is edge computing and everything related to edge. With edge, we're where we used to be um, a while back, um, beginning of cloud computing, where there's all the hype around it now. The same's happening around the edge. So the edge is basically now the extension of the clouds, working closely with the Internet of Things, IoT, and 5G as well. I mean, you don't necessarily need 5G, 4G edge, but often there are use cases where you can combine both um, and it's to do a lot with data, how you utilize data, how you make networks as efficient as possible. And the other technology to add here is, is also um, artificial intelligence and machine learning. So that also goes hand in hand with, with these three major themes that uh, that uh, we're, we're looking at for, for this year and beyond. Yeah. And in your report, you also mentioned that some of those technologies like um, you know, augmented reality, uh, analytics, uh, intelligent automation, IoT, those are some things that enterprises might be interested in consuming as a service. Um, so what are the benefits to enterprises to um, consume those technologies as a service? Yeah, we, we see quite a shift uh, towards as a service uh, models. I mean, first of all, enterprises don't always have the in-house skills, so they can't cover all the technologies, plus have skills for verticals, for um, anything to do with integration and different types of applications and so on. So, so that's where they look to service providers or the largest system integrators, telcos and other companies that offer these technologies. So either they offer services in form of professional services, so that can be things like consulting and everything that goes with integration and so on, or it can also be everything as a service. So it could be, for example, a database as a service where the enterprise doesn't really need much IT in-house. I mean, they still need to run it. They, they need to make sure it's, uh, it's consumable, <clears throat> but they don't need that deep expertise in each of these technologies. Hmm. Yeah, that kind of makes sense given the uh, uh, the move toward more, you know, digitizing more of their enterprise. Um, I, I was going to ask you actually uh, when 
when enterprises say they're going on a digital transformation or they're transforming, you know, themselves to become more digital, um, does that necessarily uh, mean that they're going to be more reliant on um, on cloud-based services or other things that are offered by either operators or cloud providers, or does it net, or does it does it simply um, refer to them, you know, changing the ch- changing their own internal structure so that they're just a little more of a lean operating uh, business? Yeah, normally it includes both. I mean, they need to transform their own structure, um, make sure they rely less on infrastructure overall and less on location-based infrastructure, especially now since COVID has hit, um, Mm -hmm. becoming a lot more important that you can work from anywhere. You're less reliant on, let's say, a specific data center. You want to increase robustness and agility. So if anything happens in future, any sort of new disaster, you're better prepared. And at the same time, it's related to changing business models, like, for example, in retail, shifting more to multi-channel, online retail that may require different types of systems and stronger digital digitalization including in the stores the same is happening like manufacturing with automation artificial intelligence robotics for example so so that's the transformation they're going through and they have to go through it because their competitors do as well so if they don't want to fall behind they have to transform their business models and with that their systems and then often it's also linked to technologies like cloud computing and now edge as well. Mm. So it is really more of a, uh, so it's both an internal and external kind of change. Cause I, I guess I, I, I was sort of tired of hearing the buzzword, but I guess I got kind of caught up in the <laughs> idea of them, you know, changing over old processes and old systems, but it was like, well, aren't most businesses digital now anyway? Like, yeah. you know, that doesn't that, does digital transformation really mean much, I guess, is what I was trying to figure out. Yeah, I would say it's a step-by-step journey. I mean, enterprises are are all at different stages. So Mm -hmm. their their digital transformation will never be complete. I mean, there are some cloud-native enterprises, for example, but even they have to constantly innovate. And the more legacy-based ones, they have to fully transform while still maintaining their system. They may not completely be able to switch away from what they've had in place so it, it's a challenge of yeah making sure they they remain operational at the same time they innovate and then that they choose the right partner and pick the right services well kelsey if we if we play our cards right we can use digital transformation as like a constant uh way to get more budget out of informa we can just okay. say that, yeah. Say sorry. We're still we're still in our digital <laughs> transformation. You're going to have to keep keep spending. <laughs> and they're like, but what are all these invoices for beer? Why is what's going on? <laughs> Look, it's a journey. Yeah, I feel like we need like it's a long journey. We started here, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, before so. some stone tablets. Right. After. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, the way light reading used to be delivered to our our readers. Oh. Yeah, we, have to, we, used to, we used to have to ride to their houses on horseback and yell at them. <laughs> it's, it's exhausting, let me tell you. Um, sorry about that. I'm, I'm just kidding around with the buzzwords. Um, uh, Kelsey, do you have a question while I, while I, while I reset? 
<laughs> yeah. um, Andrea, so uh, another thing in your report, there was also, you know, focus on the Internet of Things. Uh, and something we've kind of talked about a bit on the podcast before is how IoT could help um, with, uh, you know, productivity or worker safety or especially in manufacturing. But what are some other of the near term um, benefits of IoT services? What are some things that you're excited about? Yeah, we see IoT going more mainstream across also various verticals, so not just limited to manufacturing or transport, logistics and mining. I mean, it started mainly with things like work safety, productivity improvements, but now you can use it, let's say, in retail, recognizing where a customer is. Like, say, this is a customer who's on their mobile device and we know they're near certain products so we might as well send them a notification or the customer might want to call the sales assistant and start a conversation so um the various ways here i mean it, it could be for efficiency or safety or service reasons and it's across all different industries i mean it could as well be sensors collecting data for any purpose maybe for security based on CCTV, could it be for energy usage, or it, it could as well be, for example, in healthcare, like a more story of connected healthcare and uh, delivering remote surgeries um, in the cases in, let's say, agriculture as well, with uh, how you grow your crops and make sure it's as efficient as possible. Um, so it's really across the board. Um, and the challenge is just how, how do you manage these devices? I mean, uh, what we expect is um, we, we expect to see um, about 50 billion IoT devices by 2026. So it's a really high number and there are various types of devices and they all transmit some form of data. And then the question is, okay, how do you make it manageable? How do you utilize this data? How do you make sure the networks are not overloaded? And that's where also other technologies like edge computing come in and it, you combine it with the cloud. You can have local 5G, for example, um, in a large manufacturing plant, making data transmission a lot faster and more efficient. Yeah, I'm, um, I heard a few months ago at an event about AT&T working with um, some wine vineyards on some, I think it was on some IoT use cases, which... Sounds really important. <laughs> Monitoring those grapes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that smart wine will, will taste really, really yeah, nice. Yeah, smart wine. That's right. I mean, it'll be better. But I, I, I see the, um, I, I see the kind of the appeal of 5G and all of this because obviously, if you're if you're dealing with, uh, you know, multiple millions of devices, 5G is kind of designed to be the network uh, to, to handle that uh, well. So there's an obvious. Uh, and, and, you know, we er, earlier we talked to uh, uh, Pablo uh, Tomasi about, uh, uh, you know, the, the private networks opportunity and how 5G is going to kind of influence uh, that that space. So there's some clear connectivity gains to be had for operators as they're looking at various enterprise services. Um, I guess my question is, on the edge computing side... I'm I'm curious about that one because um, it seems to me that the cloud providers have just as good a case to make, you know, as as edge as as providers of edge services than the uh, telcos do. Do the do, do the operators have a clear advantage there? 
Um, yeah, I would say the operators come in with their network expertise and they often have an advantage by already supplying these services to the enterprises. So, of course, it depends what type of service is needed, um, how it's linked to other technologies, what type of edge solution. Is it purely localized site edge or is it like an edge solution where data is then connected to um, a cloud services provider, let's say a hyperscaler like AWS or Google or Microsoft. So in that case, you need a far or near edge solution. So it can get a bit more complex, but normally the telcos and other service providers are the first point of contact when it comes to these services. And of course, you've got system integrators as well coming in. They've got all their concepts. They've got various experts that they can use. And it's all down to an ecosystem place so wherever you start you may still need other partners that bring in expertise well not just on the network side but you may need other technical expertise um, application development for example um, or you want to include various vertical specific use cases so that's where it gets more complex where you want to replicate the same use case and then still diversify it a bit and, and make sure it's as efficient as possible. Um, but then, yeah, you've got various challenges there. Like, um, first of all, you shouldn't just focus on the technology. It's more like making sure the edge solution is appropriate for the business case. So it needs to solve a pro problem that you can quantify, for example, in terms right. of return on investment, cost saving, better customer experience, or uh, any type of efficiency. And then you'll look at it and say, well, is it, how, what type of edge solution could solve this? Can it be then delivered as a service as well? And how is it linked to the existing infrastructure? Maybe be the data center, cloud environment, or even the local setup where 5G may already be in place. Yeah, as you pointed out earlier, hedge computing services um, seem to go hand in hand with IoT deployments at an enterprise. The manufacturing uh, example is a great one because you know you want to keep that data the, in order for the latency to really pay off, you have to have the compute uh, that much closer to the enterprise. You know, if you were if you had a multi millisecond latency to a device, and then you had to truck the data all the way back to the cloud and then back again, that that might that might be too long. Exactly. So it's, it's um well latency is one of the main benefits, but it also frees up the network, so you don't necessarily have to transfer all the data across, which provides cost savings. And also, which is a more controversial topic, is security. Well, many IT decision makers believe there are concerns around security when it comes to the edge. But in fact, if you deploy it the right way, um, an edge setup can provide higher security and better compliance with data protection regulations and making sure there are fewer um, vulnerabilities where attackers could get hold of your data because there's less data in in process or so there's more data stored in a safe environment locally um, rather than sent to various sites and external data centers by cloud service providers and so on. So it can get a bit complex when it comes to food on security, but the point is that um, edge, edge computing is not always just done for, let's say, improving the user experience by having quicker response, uh, sometimes just a matter of 
at making sure um, that the, the enterprise is set up in a way that can comply with various regulations and protecting the, the data that can then also be unlocked in a safer way and then be used to analyze and then used for, let's say, new services or better business decisions. Sounds good. Uh, Kelsey, I'll leave the last question to you. Go ahead. You actually kind of answered my my next question was how does, um, you know, kind of data analytics um, change? And it it sounds like uh, it's you know, there's more security advantages there. Um, it, but I guess, um, and maybe this is a, a silly question, but <laughs> just just storing it in, in so many different places and ways, does that make data, uh, data analytics more complicated in the same way? Or, um, well, there's no, no right or wrong here. It depends on your setup. I mean, if you have a really large manufacturing plant and a lot of machines that collect data within that plant and you need to make a local decision, let's say, about worker safety or do you want to switch a machine on or off or switch to a different type of production, then it makes a lot of sense to have a local edge solution. You don't need to transfer the data out of the plant to a data center somewhere else. But if you have a more distributed setup, let's say collecting data from lots of vehicles or stores or any other setup where, let's say, headquarters will want to run analytics on lots of different sites, um, then you need some kind of setup where um, you can still process some data at the edge, but that would be more like edge as a gateway to a data center. So either your own data center or a cloud services providers like hyperscalers, data centers. Um, so there's no right or wrong here. It's, it's all quite depending on the individual setup and the, the amount of data that you may need to transfer. I mean, there may be different types of analytics a company would want to run. Um, and based on that, they can select, okay, there's certain data that may be too sensitive to be transferred, better to process it locally or somewhere in between at an edge location and there's other data that is either aggregated um, or any data that is makes sense to be transferred to central location and then analyzed um, for example at headquarters cool that's that's really helpful and um yeah definitely um a lot of work there for the <laughs> folks that are managing all of that. Wow, that's a lot to, as you were, to handle. Uh, and, and yeah, as you were putting this together, do you have any kind of key um, takeaways for operators in terms of like what would be one of your main recommendations as they're looking ahead to 2022? Obviously, there's going to be, you know, I know, I know the, you know, with the new variant, COVID. Uh, uh, you know, lockdown measures or slowdown measures, I guess, are, are still. Uh, an issue, and maybe that ha- may, you know, maybe uh, people getting back to offices and things like that, or is is going to be delayed for a while. Um, but but do you? But but it does still seem like there's going to be a, a an influx of IT spending, um, you know, on various technologies uh, to kind of make up for for lost ground. Um, do you see? Do you have uh, one or two takeaways for network operators as they're uh, looking ahead to the year? Yeah, I'll, I'll say the enterprise allow more 
likely to invest because COVID has also taught them that they have to be more robust and for longer term and invest in these technologies. Um, of course, it will vary a lot by vertical, by country and individual um, scenario, um, but there are great opportunities there for telcos as well as system integrators and other providers. I mean, it's uh, the challenge is to provide a compelling end-to-end solutions and that should address business um, challenges and provide a solution rather than just be something innovative, uh, but really focus on efficiency um, and agility and, and really solve specific problems that may be demonstrated, let's say, in use cases for the same industry that a provider can then showcase and then they can build models on it where edge is usually just one element so it often doesn't make any sense to have a different provider for your edge solution while you you're dealing with a completely different partner for let's say the cloud or um analytics and so on so it all has to come together i mean normally mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, the part the ecosystem play the question okay who's, who's got the lead here who's the main contact and then how do they then work with the other partners um yeah. Obviously, vertical expertise is key here. And, um, yeah, also building out uh, platforms, like let's say um, one is like either for customers themselves to have some kind of co-innovation there, which is usually the trend for larger enterprises. But then service providers can also create marketplaces so they can resell other providers' services and with that become the leader of their own ecosystem. Interesting. All right, cool. Well, hey, thanks. Uh, we're about out of time, but uh, uh, for folks listening, if you want to pick up, uh, go to Omdia's website, omdia.com, pick up the uh, 2022 trends to watch. Uh, this one is called 5G Internet of Things and Edge Services. And as we discussed, it's a, 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 a look at all the key technologies that are enabling enterprises to uh, hit their digital transformation goals. Uh, Andreas, uh, thanks so much for uh, taking the time today. I do appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much. Oh, thank you.